Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's so good to be in this place tonight. Feel the presence of the Lord that we feel. Anybody been feeling the Holy Ghost around here tonight? Praise God. Feel a wonderful spirit in this place. And uh, I just believe God wants to do something special for somebody in this house tonight. Before these lights are turned out and the doors are locked tonight, somebody could leave here an altogether different person because the Holy Ghost is able to make that kind of a difference in your life. Praise God. So good to be here and it's an honor to be in this pulpit again and uh, to be a part of this uh, great Bible conference. We love coming to Generette and uh, enjoy the services. We enjoy the food immensely. And uh, we love Brother Lyle and this church very much. We always feel at home around here. We feel at home around Brother Lyle. And I, I know there is, a, is a, quite an age gap between us. Quite an age gap. I, but, I, <laughs> but I do consider Brother Lyle's to be one of my dearest friends. And uh, Brother Lyle always um, has the ability to lift you up, make you feel better. And uh, I appreciate him very, very much. And uh, this church enjoyed all the wonderful music tonight. And um, just looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in these next few days. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, these ministers uh, I also count them my friends, Brother Joyner, at least sometimes he's my friend, and uh, Brother Coon, we're looking forward to hearing from him, Brother Pixler, love and appreciate these men and their tremendous ability to give us what they have from the word of the Lord. It's so good to be here. If you would turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, I feel like I'm among friends tonight. And I have a number of family members uh, here in the congregation this evening. My, uh, matter of fact, my first cousin, one of my first cousins, uh, received the Holy Ghost last night in Abbeville. And uh, we thank God for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, just so glad to see them here tonight. And I... I may not have been the cause of it, but I was so thankful at least I didn't get in the way and stop it. Amen. But um, we appreciate this um, opportunity. Good to be here among all these ministering brethren. We um, respect them and appreciate them highly. Praise God. There are uh, so many men here tonight that have contributed greatly to what I am. And so whether that's good or bad, I know not, praise God. But uh, certainly true, it's like the, uh, it's like the uh, husband and his wife, they were talking. And he said, honey, you have uh, made me what I am. He said, look at me, I'm a millionaire. And you have made me a millionaire. She said, well, honey, what were you 
Before you met me, he said, I was a multi-millionaire. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, so thankful for contributions people make to your life, praise God. But uh, I'm reading Acts chapter 12, and I feel kind of like my little girl. I was helping her with her homework recently, and, and she was going over some memory verses. And uh, I believe the memory verse was, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. And we went over that several times, and she had it. So finally I said, uh, Abby, where is that found? And without any hesitation, she said, Second Scribremiums 2 and 7. I said, you know, this is the pastor's daughter. She's supposed to know better. And I said, uh, no, 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 Abby. It's a second Scribremiums. She said, Dad, I knew it was second Carimony. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I'm a... I may be looking for second scrimiums before the night is over, but I hope you'll help me preach for just a few minutes tonight. Now, you helped all the singers sing, and, and uh, you, you, you got with everything so far. It'd be a shame if you just missed out on a blessing because you didn't help the preacher preach. Amen. Acts chapter number 12, and I will read verse number 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. They said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. He continued knocking. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. God, we love you today. God, we thank you for your word, that it is quick, that it is powerful, that it is sharp, that it is alive. We ask you, God, to anoint us. Help, Lord, this weak and frail vessel tonight. I am in need of your grace. Lord, I am in need of your anointing once more. I love you, dear God. I love you, dear Jesus. I praise your great name, Lord. God, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all of the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. There are times when victories come easy. And it seems that God allows victories to come easy, especially early on in our Christian walk. 
I find in the Bible how that God took Israel the long way around toward Canaan because he didn't want them to come quickly, to become quickly and easily discouraged. The Bible said that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. I'm thankful for God's keeping power tonight. Even though that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Israel. So they wouldn't change their minds at the beginning of the journey. God spared them some great adversity. He cushioned them from some hardships. He kept them from some battles. Sometimes in pastoring, I observe people and I watch at times new converts that cannot understand why some of the older saints and some of the seasoned saints are not jumping quite as high. And they're not making as many laps and they're not skipping across the church as fast as what the, some of the new ones are. and After all, every time I've prayed, God's answered my prayers. You, know, I just, you just have faith and God's going to do it for you. And it seems so simple and it seems so easy. And, and every time that I called on Him, I felt the rush and I felt the glory of His presence. And I just don't understand somebody that's not feeling what I'm feeling and experiencing what I Experience, And I am not tonight excusing a lack of worship in the church. Please don't get me wrong. But I am going to tell you that I have left some worship services where others got a breakthrough, but I still didn't have an answer. Where I walked away from some church services and my burdens, I'm sad to say, but my burdens were just as heavy when I walked out the door as they had been when I walked in the door. Oh, I, I don't want to cross swords with anybody today, but I, I, I'm going to tell you today that I have lived long enough. I know I've I had some bad times, and I, I, I know that, that I've had times when God didn't take the burden and God didn't quite answer like I wanted him to do. But can I tell you that I have lived long enough to turn around and bless some of my dark days? I have lived long enough to thank God for some of the trials he sent my way. And I can tell you this, that I have learned some things in the valley about God that I'd have never known had it all been sweet and had it all been victory and had it all been the miraculous in my life. Oh, there's been times that I understood why, Brother Pruitt, victory didn't come too easy. You know, it seems in just my observations and also reading the Word of God how that Sometimes when victory does come too easy, we have a tendency to slack off a little. We have a tendency when God really is blessing us to become uh, 
complacent and to get a little careless and to get a little comfortable, a little too comfortable and a little at ease in Zion. You read in your Bible how that Israel's first challenge in Canaan was that great city called Jericho. And, and yet it really wasn't a challenge to Israel. And it wasn't a challenge to their God. Because in spite of the height of those walls. And in spite of the width of those walls. And in spite of the wealth of the city. And in spite of the disdain of its citizens. And in spite of the intimidation of such a mighty fortress. All they had to do was march around those walls. And all they had to do was shout when God said shout. And the walls came down and God gave them the city and God placed it into those into their hands and it was theirs quite easily victory came easy and yet when they start looking at the next battle and when they start directing their attention to the next obstacle a little town by the name of Ai and you find that uh, that, that they're looking and they're planning to go to this next place and it didn't seem to be near as much of a challenge as Jericho was. It didn't seem to be near as intimidating as Jericho was and yet, and yet, there was a whole lot of them. They said, hey, we just want to sit down and rest and, and, and sit this one out. We'd just like to kick back and take it easy on this one. Can I tell you that's what happens when victory comes too easy? Ooh, hallelujah. They come to Joshua and they said, let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. We've had a great victory. Let's just rest a little bit. Let us kick back and take it easy. Can I tell you tonight, this first night of this Bible conference in Generate, Louisiana, this is not the time to take it easy. This is not the time to kick back and to relax and feel like you've got it made. Can I tell you there is a battle to fight. There is a struggle that we're involved in. There is an obstacle ahead of us and we need everybody involved. We need everybody to be a part. We need everybody to take the load. We need everybody to get under the burden. This is not the time to feel like that we've got it all made and everything is all right. And can I tell you, you get done with this battle, there'll be another battle. There's always a battle. There's always a struggle. There's never a time to take it easy. There's always a fight in prayer. There's always a fight in worship. There's always a fight in outreach. There's always a fight for revival. Hallelujah. I read to you tonight in Acts chapter number 12 where the apostle Peter was kept in prison. And Herod had every intention of executing him. And uh, he was sitting there waiting on the time when uh, he was going to get called to be drug out. And I'm going to tell you, the devil has every intention of dragging the church down. Every church. Um, 
Amen. Every preacher, every minister, every child of God, there's none of us exempt today. The devil really thinks he can whip you. The devil really thinks he can get you. The devil's convinced he's going to have you backsliding before too long. It doesn't matter if you preach the gospel 30 years or you've been a dear saint for 50 years. He's convinced he's going to get you somewhere down the road. Amen. Every intention of bringing this man of God down. But oh God, somewhere before Herod's plans could be brought out, God sent some supernatural intervention. You know, I'm not here tonight because I've been so strong and I'm not here because I've been so smart and I'm not here because I've been able to win every battle myself. But I'm gonna tell you there's been times God sent an angel my way, that God sent supernatural intervention my way when I couldn't get out myself, when I couldn't break free on my own. God sent some supernatural intervention for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Smote him on the side. Said, arise up quickly. The Bible said the chains fell off. And the angel said, get your clothes on and put on your shoes and follow me. And the Bible said that he followed and wished not that it was true. He thought he saw a vision. He thought it was a dream. And the Bible says that they went on and and they passed the first ward, and then they passed the second ward. I'm going to tell you, when God begins to send supernatural help, there are some doors that they open so easily. You didn't have to do anything to open that door. You didn't have to say any magic words to get the door open. You didn't have to prove how spiritual you were to open that door. But I'm telling you, the door just opened. You couldn't take the credit for it. You couldn't say, look how tough I was. You couldn't say, my, how mighty I am. All you could say is, to God be the glory. When I couldn't do it myself, God came through. When I couldn't get out on my own, God sent deliverance to me. Oh, I'm here to tell you tonight, I thank God for God's deliverance. I thank God that he sent some help my way when I could not make it by myself. Amen. The door, it just opened. The door of the prison. And I want to tell you tonight, if you are in a prison, God is able to set you free. I don't care if you're in a prison to alcohol. I don't care if you're in a prison to immorality. I don't care if drugs have you in a prison. I don't care if tobacco has you in a prison. I don't care if depression has you in a prison. I don't care if the devil has told you you'll never get out. God's got deliverance for you. It don't matter how deep you are in that prison. It don't matter how long you been in that prison. It don't matter how you feel about the prison. God is able to deliver you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's a whole lot of testimonies tonight right here in this place. 
if you had time, you can look around and say, my, this is a clean cut bunch. My, this is a holy looking bunch. But I guarantee you just about every kind of sin that could be committed is sitting right here on these pews. You don't know what God has delivered us from. You don't know the prison God has taken us out of. You don't know the depths we were in when God sent a messenger to us, the messenger of deliverance. Praise the Lord. And God not only took him through one prison door, he took him through two prison doors. I don't know how deep you may be, but you're not too deep that God can't get you out. You know, I've seen people come to God and, 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 and God delivers them from their cigarette smoking and God delivers them from their drugs and God delivers them from their alcohol. And I mean, God does it in a moment, but a year later, they're still wrestling with the bad attitude. A little while later, they're still showing signs of rebellion. They hadn't got through that second prison door yet. But I'm gonna tell you, if you keep walking with God and you keep letting the Holy Ghost move and you keep responding when God steps into the building, I'm gonna tell you, he'll get you through that second prison door just like he got you through the first. God can deliver you from bad moods and God can deliver you from unforgiveness and God can deliver you from bitterness and God can deliver you from hate just like he did from drugs. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. Then they went a little further and Acts 12 says they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city. Now I understand that the community leaders met at the gate. And I understand that business was conducted at the gate. And I understand that buying and selling took place at the gate. But this door opened just like the prison door opened this wasn't the prison this was the city this is where people made a living this is where people bought and sold this is where people did business negotiations and isn't it amazing the same power that opened up the prison door opened up the city gate can I tell you that God not only wants to deliver you from sin and he not only wants to take you out of prison but God's got a productive life for you. I've seen people really get committed and really get serious and really get dedicated and God starts blessing their business and God starts blessing their finances and God starts giving them favor on the job and favor with their clients and favor with their boss. I'm telling you the same God that opened up the prison can open up doors of business and doors of opportunity and pour you out a blessing. Amen. 
Amen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He can open up the door. You're frustrated tonight. God can open up that door. You say, I'd like to be able to give more to missions and give more to home missions and give more to the work of God. God can open up that door. I've been struggling in my business and it seems like everything I've done has gone south. I'm telling you, God can open up that door. I'm confused and I don't know what to do and what kind of decision to make. I'm telling you, God can open up that door. Oh, hallelujah. I just so happen to believe God likes to bless his people. Amen. I just believe that God's got people in our churches that God wants to bless their business, that God wants to bless their checkbook, that God wants to bless the labor of their hands. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so God opened another door for this great man. And the Bible said that when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And when he thought about it a bit, he decided to go to where he knew that they had been praying. You know, it's a good church when you don't have to wonder, have they been praying? You know it's a powerful church when you know they've been praying. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you when backsliders start knowing the church is praying. When lukewarm saints start knowing the church is praying. It'll even do the preacher good when he starts knowing the church is praying. Amen. He goes to the house of Mary. And he knocks at the door of the gate. He knocks at the door of the gate. Now wait a minute. Didn't the Bible just tell me that the prison door opened? He didn't have to beg. He didn't have to plead. He didn't have to come up with some magic formula. The prison door just made a way. Didn't it just tell me that the city gate opened of his own accord? And yet he gets to the house of Mary. And now he's knocking at this door. Can I tell you tonight that somewhere in your Christian walk, you're going to get to a door that don't open so easily. And yes, you need to testify about all the times God did move. And yeah, you need to go, about and go back and think about all the times that God made a way and all the doors that God did open. And you need to go back over your testimony and remember how he saved you and remember the power of God, how it was working. But somewhere in your walk with God, there's gonna be a door that you stand at and it don't open. There's gonna be a door you knock on and it don't seem to be budging. There's gonna be prayers you pray and they don't seem to be answered and it might even seem it might even be the door that seems to be the one that ought to open 
After all, this was where the saints were that had been praying for him. This is where prayer without ceasing had been made by the church for him. This is where his friends are. This is where those people are that seem to care the most about him and care the most about his ministry. But now we find the angel is not there and this lonely preacher is standing at the door and he is knocking with hope and he is knocking with expectation and he is knocking with trust that somewhere the door is going to open could I be preaching to some saints tonight that you have seen God work miracles in the past you have seen God move in a mighty way you cannot deny what God has performed on your behalf somewhere back there but this time you're standing at a door that will not move this time you're knocking at a door that will not open you prayed and believed God and it still hadn't happened. You feel like God gave you promises and still they haven't been fulfilled. You trusted God and you held on and you fasted three days and it seemed that the mountain is still in the way. I've come to tell you tonight you're gonna come to a door that will not open somewhere and you gotta stand out there lonely and still trust God. You gotta stand out there in the cold and still trust God. You got to stand with your prayers unanswered and still trust God that somewhere the door will open. Amen. David had skill. David had talent. And he could play beautifully on the heart, Brother Pixler, and compose songs that were timeless and they live even today. And all he needed for his talent and his skill and ability, all he needed was a little exposure. He, all he needed was for somebody to give him a chance. And here it is. Saul is a man tormented. And Saul is a man irritable. And Saul needs somebody to soothe his feelings and to make him feel better, and to calm his nerves. And Saul is needing a little consolation. And David and his talent, it meets the criteria, and the door opens. David is also a man that had a warrior's heart. He's a man of uh, unmeasured courage. And he could face the beast without fleeing. Defend his father's sheep. And he was a man with superior knowledge of weapons. The aim was right. His timing was right. And all he needed was a vicious enough enemy to stand up against Israel so he could show off what he could do. And Goliath provides the opportunity and the door opens for David. Not only is, is he known as a talented and skilled musician who plays in the king's court. But now he's the giant killer. One door after another opens. And David has also got a calling to be a king. 
And David also has the favor of the prophet. And David also has anointing from God. All he needs is the throne to show that he's capable to show that God's got his hand on him. To show that Samuel really was right. But can I tell you, there was a door that didn't open. Saul flies into a fit of jealousy. David comes around and he begins to rage against David. The door is closed. God, I believe you spoke to me. God, I believe you made me a promise. God, I remember that warm oil flowing down my brow and what the preacher said that day about what God was going to do. And yet every time it looked like David got closer, Saul got meaner and got to chasing him all across the hillsides and down across the country. And it seemed like the longer he lived, the further he got from God's promise and the further he got from fulfilling what God had put in his heart and told him would be, the door was slammed shut. Had the opportunity to put Saul out. Had the opportunity to, to take his enemy into his own hands. And yet, he refused to do it. I can't do it. I can't just parge the door down. I just can't break the door open. I've got to let God do it. And yet somewhere David gets so discouraged. And David gets so despondent. And get, David gets so tired of being chased. And so tired of being hounded. And so tired of being followed by Saul and his murderous intention. He gets so tired of it. Finally, he goes to the very place you would least expect the killer, the slayer of Goliath to go. He goes to the Philistines and joins the Philistine army. The last place that you would expect. It seems like he is so despondent. He's about to give up on the promises of God. It's about to look like it'll never come to pass. Anybody ever been there? Anybody know what despair feels like? Anybody know what it is to say, God, are you even there? God, do you even know where I am? God, have you heard my prayer? God, where are you? And... David goes and he joins the Philistines and now they're gathering for battle and guess who they're going to fight against? They're going to fight against Saul. And David and his men join up with the Philistines. They get, gather together and they come by the review of the five lords of the Philistines and the these, these leaders look a little closer. Is that who I think it is? Is that David? What is he doing with us? Isn't this the one who slew Goliath? Isn't this David who has been our lifelong enemy? What is he doing? 
We're, we can't let him fight for us. He doesn't belong in our corner. He's not going to go to war with us to fight against Saul. We can't have Saul on one side and David on another. Can I tell you young people today, you might get discouraged with the church. You might get discouraged with living for God sometimes. You may get discouraged to feel like, well, I'll never get married in the church. I'll never find the right one around the house of God. Can I tell you today, backsliding is not the cure. Backsliding is not going to uncomplicate your life. Can I tell you, the world doesn't want you. You don't belong in the world. You don't belong out there drinking. You don't belong out there fornicating. You don't belong out there. This is where you belong. They know there's something different about you. You may think you're gonna be popular. You may think you're gonna be it, but I'm gonna tell you where you belong. You belong in the house of God, shouting and running the aisles and talking in tongues and feeling the presence of God. This is where you belong. And the sooner you realize that, the happier you will be, the more satisfied you'll be, the more joyful you'll be when you understand it ain't out there. It ain't out there. What I need is in here. And I don't need to go look out there. I'll never be happy outside the will of God. This is where I belong. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what the devil's role is? The devil's role is to try to make the world look as attractive as he can and try to make the church look as ugly as he can. And you know what the duty of the ministry is tonight? To make the church look as beautiful as we can make it look and make the world look as ugly. Make sin look as ugly as we possibly can. I'm telling you, this is where the beauty is. This is where the joy is. This is where real life really is praise the Lord amen amen I read some time back about an ATF agent and how that this agent was he went undercover in uh, in a gang and he was going to to get some uh, proof and he was going to get uh, information on them about their weapon smuggling and their drug dealing all of these things and he went he went undercover and uh, he began to get he began to get what he needed and and he was working and uh, this he, he was idealistic he 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 knew what right and wrong was and and he was so glad to to be standing on the side of right and and uh, uh, fighting against these criminals and and uh, he was doing what he felt like was his duty. And uh, in the case of the investigation, in the, in the course of the investigation, uh, this man's mother died. And uh, he had to leave and fly to the other side of the country. He was in Los Angeles. And he had to fly to North Carolina to go and bury his mother. And it took him a couple of weeks. And he was gone for a little while. And when he got back, he, uh, he came back and he reported to the ATF, his superiors. And, and uh, when he reported, uh, they gave him information about what had happened while he was gone and they uh, let him know what his duties were and where he was to pick back up again and, and to report again and, and uh, what they expected out of him. And uh, he went on back to work and he went back and 
he found the guys in the gang again and, and uh, he got among them and he said some of, these, some of these men were men he knew that they had murdered, they had raped, they had committed some terrible crimes and yet when he got among them, these men who were hardened criminals, one of them came over and he put his arm around this guy and he said, man, I'm sorry about your mom. I'm so sorry to hear about that. And he had a big tear rolled down his face and his lip was quivering a little bit. He said, man, if you need anything, we love you. The next guy came and, and he was a more hardened criminal and one of the leaders. And he came over and he just threw his arm around the guy and he said, man, I hate to hear it about your mom and man we're so sorry about it and, and it, when, if you need anything just, just let us know and he said while he was standing there listening to their condolences that the line between right and wrong began to crumble and the, the line between what he knew was right and what he knew was wrong, it began to blur. He knew he had been fighting for right and he knew he was up against criminals and, and he knew he was going to bring down their kingdom. and He was on the right side and yet he said, when I came back to my buddies in the government, not one of them sent any flowers and not one of them gave me a card and not one of them showed any kind of sympathy whatsoever for the loss of my mother and yet these terrible criminals had a little bit of compassion and he said I wanted to scream and tell them run I'm your friend and we're after you he said because I felt more of a camaraderie and more of a brotherhood with these criminals than I did with my own fellow members of the ATF can I tell you today uh, that in spite of how you've been treated by the church, uh, in spite of how you feel, uh, in spite of your wrestling with bitterness, uh, can I tell you Acts 2.38 is still right. Uh, Jesus' name baptism is still right. Uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is still right. Uh, holiness living in separation from the world uh, is still right. Uh, can I tell you one God, Jesus' name, it's still right. Uh, I don't care if you've seen so many hypocrites. Uh, it's still right. I don't care if a preacher has fallen. It's still right. I don't care if you've been lied on. It's still right. And I'm going to tell you, if you feel like the door is closed today, and if you feel like you're not making any progress tonight, I'm going to tell you what Apostle Peter did. He continued knocking. He continued knocking. I didn't come to tell you why the door is closed. I came to tell you, keep on knocking. I didn't come to give you a magic formula. I came to say, keep on knocking. Keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Keep on being faithful. Keep on loving God. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I've had some time said. I've questioned where God was. I knew God put me where he put me. And I knew God 
called me way back there. Brother McMullen, I've crawled up under a pew and I've said, God, where are you? If I could just get you to give me any direction, even if it was, even if it's something I don't want to do, if I could just get a word from God, maybe some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. If you hadn't been there, you will. I've had times that maybe I shouldn't be transparent, but I've laid on the floor, Brother Hare, put my face in the carpet, and I've said, God, I'm so afraid. I don't know what tomorrow holds. If I could just get you to talk to me, everything would be all right. I can tell you somewhere I came out of it. Somewhere the door opened. And I know I'll be there again, Brother Pixler. We don't always get the whys and the wherefore and we don't always get an explanation. I read some time ago about a ship that ran aground between the Canary Islands and the Sahara Desert. It was, it was destroyed. The crew made it. They had a lot of experiences, but finally they were, finally they were captured by some of the nomads, some of the Bedouin people there that just live off of the Sahara Desert. And, and the things they went through, these were American sailors many, many years ago, a couple of hundred years ago, and uh, they were made slaves, and the climate was so harsh, and they were forced to endure days without drink or anything to eat. They wouldn't let them eat. To Muslims, Christians were dogs, and they were treated as such. They were not anything more than a dog. They were not allowed to sleep under the protection of the tent like people. They were left out to the elements and the unbearable cold at night with almost no clothing many, many nights. They were separated. Each of them were taken with a different clan and, and they, they didn't know the future. They didn't know the, their own future. They didn't know the condition of their friends and it just added to their uh, misery. When they got to a well, they were not permitted until the camels had drank everything that they wanted to drink. They were savagely beaten over the most minor offense. Sometimes they would gather snails from under rocks and eat them. They were so hungry, they would eat camels' intestines. And uh, there were a few of them that they trudged hundreds of miles across the Sahara finally to be ransomed by the British government. And uh, when the British official came out to see them, he was so shocked by their condition, he began to weep and could not hardly stand because these were men that had been treated so terribly. And to see what these grown, strong men had been reduced to, he wept. 
And their story was so fantastic. Many people in the United States, they did not believe it when they returned to America. The captain of this ship, the captain, he never got over, Captain Riley never got over what a horrible experience was that he had in the Sahara. And uh, at first, when he first reached safety, he lost his mind. They call that post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, he took all leave of his senses. He would hallucinate. And finally, he got better, was able to make it back to the United States. And for the rest of his life, he suffered. He didn't sleep hardly any. He, uh, when he would sleep, he would sleep badly. And he would frantically keep himself busy to drive out all the terrible memories of what they had faced in the Sahara. And uh, he, he began to take up causes and lobby Congress and uh, lobby them to ransom prisoners that had been taken over there in Africa and different parts of the world. But uh, he developed a passion. His main passion was against slavery. This was in the early 1800s, and he had experienced life as a slave. Experienced his life. What a slave endures, he had experienced it. And, and he developed a, an insatiable zeal to free the black man in America from the awful institution of slavery. And uh, the sad thing is, in his day, because he was a little different, because he had been so affected, he wasn't taken very Seriously, when he would speak before Congress, they would kind of dismiss him as being too dramatic. And, and so by the time that he died, he saw very few results for all of his efforts, for all of the things that he went through. He saw very few results. But uh, he had written down some of his experiences. And there was a young man that was captivated by the story of Captain Riley and the ship that he commanded, what they suffered in the Sahara. This young man was captivated. He read this book several times about their treatment, and he would read it and read it over again. And um, after he was a grown man, he was very influential. And when they asked him what books influenced him the most, he said, Well, the Bible. And uh, the second one was Blackstone's Law. And the third one was Captain Riley's experiences as captive to the Arabs. And this boy who was so influenced by Captain Riley, his name was Abraham Lincoln. And after 45 years, after he had written his memoirs, Captain Riley would have been thrilled to read the Emancipation Proclamation. It's what he had a passion for. It's what he had a desire to do. It's what he wanted to eliminate and abolish. And it was 45 years later that it was abolished in the United States. Captain didn't live long enough to see the fruit of his suffering. You may not ever know the why for what you go through tonight. You may not ever get an explanation for the tears that you have wept, the bitter tears that you've wept this week. And the questions that have gone in your mind.
You may not live long enough to see the fruit born from your suffering. But God wants to know, can you trust Him at this door like you trusted Him when He opened up the last one? Can you trust Him with this door like you did at the prison door when He saved you, when He set you free, when He delivered you? Can you trust Him at this closed door when you turn around and you remember the time God blessed you and, and God brought the right people into your life and God opened up things and you, you marveled at how miraculous God worked and how easy it seemed. And yet this victory doesn't seem to come too easily. And God wants to know, can you trust Him with this one? Can you keep on knocking when it looks like it's not going to open? Can you persevere in the face of your adversity? I don't know what you expected on uh, Thursday night, the first night of this conference, but all I can give you is what I feel down inside of here. And I don't know what kind of deep struggle you've been going through, and, and I don't know what kind of frustration you feel today, and I don't know if you've demanded some answers from God, but God may not give you the answer you want. You just got to keep knocking at the door and keep believing God's going to open the door. When it looks impossible, when it looks like it'll never come to pass, you just got to keep on knocking at the door and believe in God. I wonder if there's anybody that would like to respond to the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel the Spirit of the Lord here. It may not be everybody that needs this. If things are going wonderful in your life, God bless you. If you don't have any questions and it seems like every time you snap your fingers at God, God bless you. But I'm going to tell you there's some heavy burdens in this place today. There's some questions that have been in people's minds. And if God, if God has just given you great miracles in the last few days, God bless you today. But there's some folks that's under a burden some folks that's wanted some explanation and it's not been forthcoming. I wonder if you'd respond to God today. Could we come and stand around the front? Can we tell God today, I trust you. I trust you, God. I may not understand, but I trust you. God, I believe you. I may not know what in the world's going on, but I, I trust you. I believe you. I've got confidence in you tonight, God. Hallelujah. Oh, I know all things work together for good. But you may not say any good tonight. But can you trust Him? I'm talking to some faithful saints tonight. I'm talking to some people of God that want to live for God and want to be faithful and want to be sold out and want to be everything that God wants you to be. Can you trust Him right here? Can you trust Him at a closed door? Can you trust Him when He hasn't moved like you wanted Him to move? Can you trust Him when you've been more disappointed than you've ever been in your life? Can you trust Him when you've been more let down than you've ever felt in your days. Come on, trust Him. Come on, worship Him tonight. Hallelujah.
trust you. Serving God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, you never failed me. God, you never let me down. God, you've always been there. I believe you're going to be there. God, you've always made a way. I believe you're going to make a way. God, you've always provided. I believe that you're going to provide. I don't know how. I don't know where. But I believe you and I trust you. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this place. Come on, respond to the Lord today. Hallelujah. There's a young person. You need to trust him with your life. Trust him with your future. Trust him with your tomorrow. Come on. Trust him with your ministry, young man. Trust him with your tomorrow. Trust him to order your footsteps. Trust him to keep you. Hallelujah. Oh, serving the King of Kings. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, put it all in the hands of the Lord. Put it all in the hands of the Lord, faithful saint. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord's moving tonight.